Today's episode is brought to you by Alliance Aviation. Whether your mission is flying in style to any of the circuits on this year's Formula One calendar or simply traveling for business, Alliance's team of aviation professionals is ready to get you from point A to point B. When you fly with Alliance as a charter customer, we deliver superior aircraft, fair pricing, and no long-term commitments. And right now, we have an ongoing promotion to save you 5% on all jet cards. Normally, a jet card can cost you $6,500 per flight hour, but when you use promo code POINTS, you can save over $8,000 per jet card. Use promo code POINTS and fly to the Formula One circuits in style at fly.flyalliance.us slash points. podcast the fastest growing formula one podcast on the globe guys we are following the hungarian grand prix the hungora the hungaroring ring you can do it you can do it hungaroring um and i think we're on episode 21 so pretty uh pretty big milestone for us heading into the summer break guys um we got a lot to talk about with the the hungarian rig grand prix this past weekend as well as some driver news but as always i'm your host matt dotiel joined by none other than sam dr russell and stefano the tech expert Sedano. Guys, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. Um, for those of you watching on our YouTube channel, this is me waving uh, my proverbial white flag. It's over for Ferrari. I am calling it. It's over. Throw the towel in, waving the white flag. The bums over at Ferrari have ruined the 2022 season. So I'm not excited to talk about anything, but I'm still here. Yeah, hey, everyone. Man. Thanks for being here, Sam. Hey everyone, I am Stefano Sedano and I've been an Alpine fan since day one. Well, between the pair of you, you're probably going to need to both become Alpine fans or or fans of other teams. Uh, we got to dive right in. But first, before we dive into the Hungara ring, nobody can say that name. They First off, they need to change that name. I, I don't really understand how anybody could say it. Hungarians probably can't even say it. Like, just call it the Hungarian Grand Prix. Like, we already have the Red Bull ring. We don't need another Hungara ring. Um, but guys, first and foremost, I'm doing this on behalf of our podcast uh, a lot of activity over the past few months, fans, teams, drivers, incidents on and off the track. Um, but, you know, I just want to make it official that, you know, the the Formula One community, F1 in particular and the drivers have all driven out together. They've taken a stand. And today on the In The Points podcast, I'd like to say the the new Formula One pledge for the world that Formula One is all about competition and rivalries, but also respect. Respect as competitors, respect for our fans, respect for the whole F1 community. Abuse of any kind is not welcome online or anywhere in Formula One. 
We are united and ask you all to join us in driving this out of all sport and society. We have a duty to call this out and say no more. Those who hide behind social media with abusive and disrespectful views are not our fans. If you cannot be respectful, then don't be part of our sport. Drive it out together. So officially, the In The Points boys are driving it out together. So I just want to do that on behalf of everybody in the podcast. Hell yeah, brother. Drive it out. Drive it out together. Guys, we're driving it out together. You know, we're, we're anti-online hate speech. We we are very respectful. So we've taken this pledge. Um, all of the comments made on this podcast are our personal opinions. We do not take any abusive comments towards any individual team, organization, group of people, ethnicity, etc. We are in- incredibly an inclusive The Points podcast. And yeah, so from from I'd just like to make that public and official. And Matt, from there, Matt, we can- does, Matt, does this have anything to do with your recent legal spat with uh, WB? No, no, it does not. This has, this has everything that, to do with doing what's right for. Get and I think, out. Sam, you had asked me a few few weeks back whether I denounced the behaviors of some of the Dutch fans. At yeah, it only took you a month to denounce the behavior that we saw back in. Uh, I denounced. No, no, the it was pretty immediate. He denounced it pretty immediately. I immediately did that. And this is recent from Formula One. They just announced this three days ago and we haven't recorded since. And, you know, I, I just want to stand for something while you might be sitting. I'm standing for something here. And and the entire podcast stands for um, an anti-abusive culture online and in the Formula One community. And without further ado, I'd just like to comment that all the opinions on this are expressly our opinions. And and so for that, I'd like to kick us off with, should Mattia Bonato be fired? Fire well, Mattia Bonato. Well, Matt, uh, I'm glad you, you prefaced that, uh, this question with your um, stand against abuse, because uh, in the words of the immortal Jeremy Clarkson, uh, he tweeted, as abuse is no longer allowed when we speak about F1, I'm forced to say Ferrari's strategists are brilliant. Yeah, so, guys. I mean, to be honest with you, like we we don't tolerate abuse of any kind. But after what I've watched unfold over the past, call it month and a half, two months of racing, I feel like Ferrari has been abusing you guys as fans with what they've been putting on track for race strategy. And clearly this past weekend was no different. And Sam, you waved the white flag earlier. I've asked you guys this question a million times. I'm going to save the question. Watching on track was a joke this past weekend. And now for the question. Are you guys hitting the panic button on Ferrari's chance in either championships this year? Sam, we'll start with you. So, yeah, I agree with everything you said about abuse, but if one person deserves to be abused, it would be Mattia Bonato. Um, That guy is a joke. And yeah, I mean, the panic button is in the trash can. Like, it's just, it's over. Like, panic is, we just passed panic and... I've just like, we've, we've moved on. We've totally moved on. It's over. Um, Ferrari just needs to move on from this clown, bring in somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Um, anybody, it could be one of us. I mean, none of us would have put hard tires on Chuck Leclerc on Sunday. And, um, and this guy somehow makes a decision to do that. Uh, I've been formulating an opinion in my head. It's all rigged. There's no other explanation for this. It's rigged. Ferrari purposely lost that race. And I don't know if, if Bonato's getting paid or something, but it's rigged. You cannot make that decision in that situation without purposely trying to lose the race. That's the only thing you could, you're doing there. So I, I, I'm just at a loss. And 
Sadly, I think that F1's rigged now after seeing what we saw on Sunday. So for, for those of us just tuning in, what happened in the race this past weekend, we had George Russell on pole, Charles Leclerc, which was a, a shocker. Charles Leclerc was starting P2. Uh, it was There was threat rain over the entire race weekend. And Ferrari... The teams, the first off, the hard compound tires this year is shit. It's rubbish. We've heard everybody say it's it's not everyone good. knew it. Everybody knew it. And basically what happened was Ferrari called the wrong strategy. They went out on mediums, their competitors, their rivals started off in on softs. Max Verstappen, he had a power unit issue during qualifying. He started 10th. Sergio Perez started 11th. Lewis Hamilton, the teammate of George Russell, had DRS issues in qualifying. He started seventh. So you had a Mercedes and then both Ferraris. And then I think both uh, Lando Norris, a couple Alpines, and then the Mercedes and both Red Bull. So the entire grid was basically shaken up other than maybe Ferrari 2-3. And all their rivals elected to go out on softs for the race. And it was a pretty clear two-stopper. The undercut in Hungary is incredibly powerful. But Charles Leclerc... He went on medium and then medium, and then they pitted him for hards, and he looked atrocious. It was terrible. Stefano, what the hell was going on? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what goes through Bonato's head. Uh, the whole of the F1 fan community shares my, my, my sentiment here. Um, I think the entirety of the broadcasting team on Sunday shares my, my sentiment here. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Um, I don't know if I share Sam's idea that it's rigged. Uh, I'd like to hear what he thinks the motivations are behind that, but that's for a whole different story. Um, I'm on the bin Bonato train right now. Um, I think he's done at the end of the season. I don't know how you can take arguably the best car on the grid and turn not just, not just a story team like Ferrari, uh, into a laughing stock but both of your your outstanding drivers into pity figures as well. Uh, after the race, you saw multiple drivers walk up to Charles Leclerc and like pat him on the back and apologize to him. You know that shouldn't happen. Joke. That shouldn't happen in Formula One. You have, yeah, you have you have, in the cool down room. You guys, you guys mentioned it to me. Um, they were, we're laughing. laughing at him. Yeah, they were laughing about the hard was, the hard tire strategy in the cool down room. Looked at the TV. And he was wiping his neck. And then I think a clip came on of Charles on hearts and he goes to Max and George. They went, they went for the hearts, huh? Like he was shocked. And Max Everybody laughs. Was. Max laughs and goes, yeah, like almost like, I don't know what they were doing. Guys, so, guys, honestly, I need, I need to clear. I need to just remind myself here. Cause I was so just disgusted by, by the buffoonery that, that transpired. But didn't Charles Leclerc have to pit again after the, after they put on the hearts? Yeah, he went to the softs, and, and yeah, that's, it, at that's that point, ridiculous. it didn't even matter. What's so what's so frustrating is so. First off, they definitely made the wrong call by put, by starting him on mediums. That's that's the first thing. But they still could have won the race even after botching that decision. Sam, like, the pace wasn't that bad on mediums. It was good. It the was, pace good. was good. He was Chuck was really quick on mediums, but and it, it, it the 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 problem was that they just botched the strategy. Uh, early on in the race, they reacted very poorly to the, to the Verstappen undercut. Uh, and then it just, it just screwed him over. It just screwed Leclerc over for the rest of the race. I mean, I, I texted you guys at mid race. I mean, probably right around the halfway point of the race. And I, and I said, it's in Ferrari's hands right now. They have a one, two, unless they totally 
like kick themselves in the ass. And sure enough, like 10 minutes later, they did it. You did. It's, yes. it's every week. It, it's ugh. it was crazy because you called it. You're like, Ferrari has this in the bag. I think that was right when I think that was when um, they pitted signs and Leclerc was going longer on stint yeah, one. Yeah, it was. And he was quick and he was quick yeah. and sent one on the media. Yeah, he was pulling he away. He was pulling away. And then they pitted him so early. To put it was insanely in, early. It made no sense. Like, and, and Leclerc, on, Leclerc on the radio was was saying, why are we going in? I, I, the tires are feeling good. And they we still called him in. We said it during the race. We said, we were watching it. We, it Max made his way through the field. He did exactly what he needed to do. Um, I, I was texting a friend and I said, for Max to have any type of shot, he needs to basically get to fifth or sixth by lap eight. Like that's what, and he did it. He did exactly what he needed to do to keep himself in it. He was only five seconds off Leclerc. He tried for the undercut. Leclerc stayed out longer. George Russell pitted because his tires are dropping off. Signs, I think either pitted or he stayed out. Max could not make any inroads into Carlos Signs or Chuck Leclerc while he was on fresher mediums and Chuck was on older mediums. He couldn't make any inroads. And then not only that, if you're gonna pit to cover off the undercut, pit immediately. Like, yeah. you've got a six-second gap. What are you doing? And if you're going to stay out, stay out longer. Uh, yeah, it's Matt, Matt, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It, none I of it know. makes any sense. It literally, It's just, that's why my brain's going to this as being rigged, because it legitimately is nonsensical. Like, if, if we, I've, I think I've said this like three or four times about Ferrari this year. If the bozos that we are, if in real time we can make that call, with the like, with the very limited amount of data we have, all we needed to see was that the Alpines couldn't do anything when they went on hard tires. Neither could I, think the were, I, I think that the Haas same thing. All we needed was those two data points to know, okay, you hards are out of the question today, and they still somehow do it. It's like they didn't watch the race or something. I just, I don't you have to wonder. Uh, what I don't even know what the hell say. they're watching on those monitors on, on the pit lane. Uh, cause they're definitely not watching the race. They either have way too much data on their hands and they're like just getting their brains jumbled up or they're not even looking at the data and they had this, this formulated plan that they were going to go Damn, medium, you medium know what hard. It is? You know what it is? It's a, it's the loser mentality that's, that's taken over Ferrari over the past five or 10 years because they haven't challenged for realistically anything in a very long time you had Seb that finished second a couple of times uh, while he was, while he was there, but I mean, nobody's beating the Mercedes uh, during that, that brilliant run of what? Seven. But even then Stefano, like they weren't even competing for second. I mean, they, they, I don't get Sam. I, I don't understand. And here's the other thing too. And Sam, we need to hear more about your rigged theory because I think that that's a juicy take. Two things I want to say. First, Max came on and said, yeah, we were actually going to go on hards. And in my like first few laps, just before we even went to formation, he was like, I was on the softs and I was like, could barely have traction. I was like, nope, hards are done. Yeah, the track was so cold. Halfway through the race had said, medium tires. I feel great on these. Please keep me out. So you've got two drivers with the top two teams competing for the championship, vocalizing their input to the teams and one team listening and one team not listening. And then at the end to have Bonotto say more like Bozo Bozoto say, Oh, it was the car not working the right way. That guy is such an asshole. And for him to say that, you'd be like, Oh, it, it, it was, the car wasn't performing well. It was like, 
Chuck had a seven second lead when you totally butchered the whole entire race. Like, what are you talking about? Bozo it's, it's, uh-huh. Yeah. Way to throw your engineers under the bus to cover your own ass. Guys, how how in the world can they not fire him at the end? They're going to they, fire like, him. Like, there's no absolutely no chance he can be there next year. No, right? no zero chance. chance. Zero. Uh, it, the, the experiment's over. He's been there for, what, five, six, seven years as team principal. And in those years, they've had catastrophic collapses. They actually, we people forget that they got something brushed under the rug by the FIA because they had, had trade secrets or they had like an illegal car and that kind of got swept under the rug yeah, under his watch. The, maybe this is all tied back to that, Matt. And maybe Could that's be. where it's rigged because it's the only logical explanation for what happened this past race for him to put Charles Leclerc on hards. There's no other explanation, but it was rigged and he was trying to lose on purpose guys. And I, I honestly believe it. I'm not even joking. I can think we, that he did it on purpose. Can we talk about for the fans who may have missed some of the race, but saw what happened, how, how big of a blunder this was max was what? Seven seconds behind him. He caught him, did a 360 spin, and then re-caught him again. Congrats to Max yeah. on winning the race. Like he raced a good race, and I tip my cap to him. But this this race was was not about Max Verstappen. It was about the oh. Ferrari blunder. And you and you just said it perfectly. I mean, for him to be able to win spinning out in first, I mean, that's a joke. That's an absolute joke. joke. Yeah, absolute Matt, joke. it goes back to uh, actually a while ago when you said that whenever Red Bull seemed to mess up, it's never like a race ending blunder or even like a lap ending blunder. It's just something that they can recover from very easily. But whenever Ferrari have uh, a mistake or anything, it's just something catastrophic that just completely derails everything. And we saw it again today uh, on Sunday with the strategy. We're putting uh, Chuck on hards and what they did to, to science. It ruined the weekend for them. We're conservatively, if we're being conservative, that's a podium for both uh, Leclerc and Sainz, if not a one-two for them. It's at the very worst one-three. At the very worst. At very worst. I think during the middle of the race, Sam, you said it's a one-two locked up, and I said I had a feeling Verstappen was maybe going to catch Sainz and split the two bulls on the – I mean, the two uh, prancing horses on the podium, and – in an ideal world, Matt, it that's what would have happened. Bad. That's what was looking like it was going to happen. And for your drivers to start two and three on the grid and not even get a podium with the best car on the grid, I have no, I, I don't have any words, man. I feel like no Chuck words. every time, I feel like Chuck every time the race weekend's over, he has no words. Poor Charles like Leclerc. Gonna... Poor Charles Leclerc. Poor Charles Leclerc, man. Poor I Chuck. feel so bad for that guy. He's back to being Charles Leclerc. He's no longer Chuck. Yeah. Yeah, Bonotto stole Chuck away from Charles. Yeah, I don't even know what Chuck is. Dude, Chuck hasn't had a podium in what? Sorry, he's what is it? Ferrari said. So sorry, go ahead, Sam. No, he won. He's got he's got got one podium in the last eight races. Eight or nine now after this past weekend. I saw a stat that uh, even Lewis Hamilton Hamilton's got more podiums. Hamilton had such a horrible first half of the season. And now he has more podiums than Charles Leclerc. We'll Hamilton's been great, but that's that's silly. That is silly. That shouldn't happen with the car that they have. A flashback moment to the point where I said Mercedes is going to finish ahead of Ferrari and the constructors. Yeah. It's, it's very realistic at this point in time. 
And it's probably going to have like a spooky insight into, into sports, man, to make that call. Cause it wasn't looking at all. Like it was on the cards. So Sam, let me ask you this, Charles Leclerc, 80 points back of Max Verstappen, nine races to go. The difference between a one and two finish is about seven points. If you get fastest lap, it's eight. If he won and got fastest lap in all of the races for the rest of this year, he would only be at 72 points and eight points shy of Max Verstappen. However, Max has been victim to reliability. We even heard it in qualifying. He took a new power unit components this past weekend, still within the non-penalty range, probably going to have to take a penalty. Put, how are you feeling about your Ferrari to, or your, your Charles Leclerc to win the driver? I feel awful. I, it's over. I'm like, it's done. And I still believe that Ferrari has the fastest car out there. Specifically, Charles Leclerc has the fastest car, but it doesn't matter. And it's, and it's being proven that week over week over week, that it doesn't matter that he has the fastest car. And it doesn't matter that he is a fantastic driver. He has a bunch of bozos calling the shots. So yeah, unfortunately, the Charles Leclerc when the driver's championship and the Ferrari to win the constructor's championship dreams are poof gone. I'm oh, fired, the next fired, season was. I don't know if the Ferrari Ferrari's only it's over, Matt, it's over, Matt, it's over. Ferrari's only a hundred points back. It's over. Matt, you're sure, too much of an optimist. I'm pretty sure Mercedes was a hundred points back at one point. Mercedes last. has a better chance of winning the constructor. Mercedes also has a better crew of decision makers. No, I mean last year at this time, like the gap wasn't that. Oh, no, 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 no. It was, it was, it was way, it was way smaller than this. Not only that, but again, way smaller half the size. The decision-making on, on the Mercedes pit wall is demonstrably better than Ferrari. Total Wolf doesn't make mistakes. That pit, the pit, the pit crew doesn't even make mistakes. Don't forget. uh, Carlos Sainz had an unsafe release in France that cost him uh, a five second penalty too. You don't see that from any, from any championship fighting team. It's just, and honestly, what sucks the most too is Ferrari's ruining the fan season. Like it's, it's yeah, we, were, like we were supposed fun. to have some great yes. battles between him, uh, Max and Charles Leclerc, and we've had nothing. You know what? Another crazy stat that I saw too, is how many race wins Max has not from pole. Yeah. It's insane. I think he's won like almost every single one of his races. I think he's had like one pole that he's won his race on. Yeah. Jeddah, he started from fourth. This weekend, he started from 10th, which, by the way, what a hell of a drive from him and Lewis on a track that's incredible. They call it almost like Monaco Jr. to overtake. What a like Mercedes, hell of a hell of a fight from them. They nailed it again. They got the strategy call. They actually got it right and wrong if that makes sense like so they did the same george russell and max did the same strategy and george ended up p3 lewis and charles did the same or charles was gonna do the same strategy and charles finished sixth they ended up doing the same strategy as signs signs finished i think fourth maybe fifth it's just like mercedes with split strategies that are kind of copying one team that won and one team that fell off and they're still finishing on the podium it's Mercedes, it would have been crazy to see what they could have done if they had a stronger start to the year where they didn't have all that porpoising effect and their 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 car was a little bit better. But 
Yeah, I don't know, guys. I, I don't know that it's it, – there's still nine races. A lot can happen. Somebody could take out somebody like Max. Yeah, yeah. Man, just for reference, at, at this point last year, Red Bull was up by eight points. Okay, so way smaller. <laughs> don't forget, Ferrari's also going to have to take grid penalties too for their power units. In, in yeah. race 10, they picked up 40 points, and that's what got them back in it. So before that, they were they were down 48. That was That was the peak. What do you think they have a more realistic shot of winning, the constructors or the drivers? If they, if you had to pick one, they're down a hundred in the constructors with two cars. They're down eighty in the drivers with nine races to go. Red Bull has to take probably some grid penalties, and we haven't seen the last of the reliability issues. I'm sure Checo got taken out in Austria. I'm just saying, like, okay, I think I think, I think drivers for a couple of reasons because like Max Verstappen could get in a car accident, like driving down the street tomorrow, or like his plane could crash. Um, or Charles Leclerc could just start calling all of the, his own shots and just like not listening to anything that they say. I don't think you can get both drivers on board doing that for Ferrari. So I would say the driver Charles has been doing it. Possibility. Carlos Sainz has been doing. It. He did it in Monaco. He did he it. Did. Yeah, in true. Silverstone. True. So you're basically saying the only way that that Chuck Leclerc wins the drivers is if like Max Verstappen can't race. A Formula One car for the yeah, second. Yeah, that's it. That's the only chance. I think the most realistic thing happening is Ferrari finishing in third in the constructors' championship at this point. And honestly, I think I think Charles gets overtaken too in uh, the drivers' championship. There's only I five hope. points back from Bonas Perez, who's been no f- hashtag no form, no form. No form. Hey, Matt, you're going to keep... apologize for poo-pooing my no form uh, take on Checo last week. Uh, your take in France was wrong. Your take in Hungary is right. Um, so I'll give you credit where credit's due. It's not just about calling it right. It's about when you call it. And uh, yeah, he uh, he was not on form this weekend, still finished ahead of Leclerc, which yeah, uh, that's a no fault of Leclerc's own. No fault of Leclerc's own, but still finished ahead, which is like a crazy thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, I was reading something. It's like you can't tell if he's not on form or if Max has gotten so much better. Like, that's the crazy thing to think about. Max has gotten so him, much better. Well, him getting knocked out in Q2, like, no, he's he's not in good form right now. I mean, now. Max I mean, knocked out in Q2. Actually, he didn't. But he didn't. He um, he didn't and no, yeah, that's not true. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, Perez has been, he hasn't been on form. I mean, it just is what it is. And Max is great. Max has been awesome, but um, Checo has not been on form. Yeah. He finished fifth this past weekend, a second behind signs and a he's second. In the second of- he's in the second or third fastest car off there. So, I mean, yeah. well, well, you know, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. I mean, I don't think he's uh, fighting for the drivers anymore. That's for damn sure. But he's certainly five points back of the former championship contender and rival Charles Leclerc. Is at one point do you like? Are you in second and you're no longer considered like the championship rival? Like it's Max and Leclerc, the two championship rivals. Like I would Max say, are, I would say right about now. Right about now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of like like. Now, here's my fear. Like, you guys are going to, like, lose interest now because, like, for our Red Bull's kind of running away with with the, with the both both championships. Like, no. where are you guys turning your attention? Because, like, clearly, like, I feel like you guys are going to, like, become, like, Ferrari haters now and be like, you know what? At, the, what? at what point do you guys sit there and say, we actually want to root for everybody ahead of them to finish ahead of them? Like, Mercedes, we want them to finish ahead of them. 
Like, I'm not you? rooting. I'm not rooting for anybody to finish ahead of Ferrari. Um, but that being said, I won't be unhappy for certain teams to finish well. Uh, like seeing Lewis finish well is nice to see. Yeah, my and attention honestly, has been turned to Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. My yeah. attention has been turned to Sebastian Vettel. Well, you, I mean, you got to turn to Sebastian Vettel because he is, this is his last season in Formula One. Yeah. Big yeah. time recent news the other day. Um, guys, I mean, Hungary, crazy race, tons of overtakes for a track that didn't have many overtakes. Um, it was all at like turn one with that double DRS. Double DRS. And I think it had a lot to do with the temperatures. Um, yeah. Speaking of turn kinda, one. By the way, I kind of liked it. I, oh, yeah. I really liked that track. And I, I actually got one overtaking zone after turn one. I think it's like, it's a it kind of an exciting overtaking area. I totally agree. I, I actually, people poo-poo Hungary. I, I enjoyed that race. I thought it I was. Too. I thought it was That's a cool another, another reason that I'm, I'm so frustrated that, that Red Bull is pulling away is because all these races have been so good and so dramatic, and it's just going to be a bummer that like not much is going to be at stake yeah. towards the end. Yeah, like I think if Max wins the next two races, like it's over. Mathematically, I think you're right, actually. Yeah, like I think mathematically, if he wins, unless he like his car explodes and Sam's like prediction, but like so long as he finishes up in the points and he wins the next two races, I'm pretty sure that like the driver's championship is over. But um, I mean, speaking of going into turn one, we saw Fernando Alonso get on the team radio all huffing and puffing against his teammate for driving what he considered all def- defense I've never seen in my entire life. That guy defends like crazy. Stefano, you're a big Fernando Alonso guy, big El Plan guy, but like what tipped you off? Tell this guy, <laughs> this guy is kind of turning into like an insufferable parody of himself. The way he holds up the field in Monaco, the way he holds up the pack and he toys with cars and all this stuff. And then he is mad on the opening, the start, heading into turn one for Esteban, like covering him off and going up the inside. Like what's up with this guy? Uh, I mean, it's not something that hasn't happened throughout his career. And not if I'm only honest. that, not only that, enough that he decides to quit Alpine and go over to Aston Martin. Yeah, I mean, Esteban must have really like like been a sore winner afterwards to to make Fernando Alonso of all people quit for the potentially. I think actually the second worst team on the grid. Yeah, Matt, do you actually think it had anything to do with that? No, I just thought it was funny timing that like he gets all huffy and puffy on team radio. It, I is, mean, a, it is a weird move, though. To go, go to Aston, Aston Martin. Martin? Yeah. Oh, big time weird move. They probably move. offered like, him a ton of money. They probably I mean, offered him a shitload of money. Might, I mean, they must have, I guess. Lawrence Stroll must have pockets the size of Texas. Like Those guys must party pretty hard. Like I'd imagine a Lawrence Stroll and Fernando Alonso party would be it doesn't sound like a party i want to go to if i'm honest uh, it's definitely a party i would want to be at speak for yourself um (laughs) yeah i mean sam i the pick of a car why l plan going to aston martin to fill first off seb retiring out of the blue crazy didn't really expect that but what <laughs> Why is Alpine going to Aston Martin? Stefano nailed it. I mean, that's the only way. The only reason he would do it is because they may, probably gave him like a guaranteed two or three years and paid him an exorbitant. exorbitant yeah, I think it was, it was a most- Oh no, we lo- Oh, we might have lost Stefano. I don't know what the. 
Oh, Stefano, hold on a second. Your connection's horrible right now. We gotta we gotta stick around. No. Sam, finish your thought. Um what was I saying? You're saying Aston Martin, why would you go? Must oh, yeah, no, he's getting it. he's getting paid an insane amount of money to drive that Aston Martin car. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, because you're not only going to a worse car, but you're kind of going to like a not very desirable situation where you have to be teammates with this kind of like out there guy son and um that's being nice putting it that way and like i don't know it just doesn't seem like a situation you'd want to drive in the last couple of years of your career but uh, we just saw with vettel and maybe that's why he's retiring couldn't take it anymore can i can i give a quote from vettel that may uh shed some light on how toxic the situation at aston martin is is it the one where he says that he likes chocolate and the smell of freshly baked bread i mean who doesn't like chocolate and freshly baked bread though but no, it's not that quote. Um, he goes, I want to spend more time with my family and less time with the stroll family. <laughs> he goes, they've been great though. From day one, I knew I was number two. Whoa. Yeah. So that's like from a real account, not one of those like fake Twitter accounts. That's from like a pretty, uh, it shall remain nameless, but a pretty up there account. Wow. Wow. That's yeah, it does. That does say it all. And I mean, it's not just Vettel who's been detailing how toxic the work environment at Aston Martin is. Uh, apparently, Lawrence Stroll, in his infinite wisdom, has just been tasking his engineers with copying Red Bull's cars, making them well, work. Obviously. We, yeah, we did making a whole them, making them, about how it was a green Red Bull that day in yeah, Spain. Making, the, making them work insanely hard to copy this car, just demanding unrealistic expectations from his entire staff. And then, you know, making somebody like Sebastian Vettel, a four-time world champion, ostensibly the number two driver behind Lance Stroll of all people. And the same thing's going to happen to Fernando Alonso. Let's be real. This is just like a shadow opportunity. Like this is just a full front for making his son be like the number, like make his son seem like cooler in their group of group of friends. But I mean, you got to wonder, I mean, why Alonzo would leave Alpine who were huge fans of the program for Aston Martin, but guys, regardless, the biggest story of the day by far, Ferrari being the race strategist losers of the weekend, Alpine said, hold my beer. We had something we'll do even worse. They confirmed Oscar Piastri, reserve driver for Alpine to be the second driver alongside Esteban Ocon for 2023, filling Fernando Alonso's seat, which I don't think came to a surprise to any of us. I think we kind of saw that one coming. We've, we've talked about driver moves and where they're going to go. And we kept thinking Piastri was, was coming up into the ranks. He'd probably be in a formula one seat next year, only to maybe an hour later, Piastri post. Nope. I'm not driving for LP next year. That's a false rumor. It's not even a rumor. He's like, I, this was against my permission. I have absolutely no confirming that this is actually going to happen. So Alpine egg all over their face. Sam, biggest question. Where's Piastri going to go race? Uh, my gut says he'll end up with McLaren and yeah. they'll just have to kind of pay their way out of this situation. But 
it feels to me like it was obvious that someone at Alpine high up got caught wind that he was about to sign with McLaren and they try to play that their strong arm card by saying, well, you're under contract with us and we've got first rights to you. So you're filling the seat. Um, it's just very bizarre that they played that card over social media. I just can't believe they did that without even talking to him. So it was a bold move. I don't think it's going to really work out, um, but we'll see. It's going to be super awkward if he ends up at Alpine, but I just can't see that happening at this point. And it's, a, it sucks for Alpine because that would have been kind of an electric lineup next year. Yeah. Um, it would have been awesome, but now who the hell knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, Alpine's house is proverbially on fire right now. Uh, Cause apparently Fernando Alonso made his decision without consulting the Alpine higher ups first. You know, I think from what I heard, they found out from news reports that El Fernando Alonso was going to Aston Martin. And apparently Fernando Alonso had a falling out with Laurent Rossi, the CEO of Alpine. So that may shed some light on maybe some of the toxicity at Alpine currently. Uh, and then for them to just go ahead and assume that they have a driver lineup for next season it may it, contractually Piastri may be obliged to drive for them for 2023, but the assumption from Alpine that he just would seems a bit strange considering there have been rumors that he was going to get loaned out to Williams or McLaren beforehand anyway. So I don't know what's well, going on there. So here, I don't here's know. The, here's it's the very, question. The seats very strange are, and nobody seems to know anything. The seats are full. Uh, like the, there's really nowhere else to go. Like if you want to talk about, like we did this a while back and actually it's probably really fitting heading into the summer break to hear more of what's going to come. But like Red Bull seats are locked. Ferrari seats are locked. Mercedes seats are locked. And when I say locked, like those are both drivers that have contracts past 2022. And like, they're also not going to move unless like something crazy happens where Leclerc gets out of his contract. Like drivers can jump all the time, but like, I don't see Leclerc going outside Ferrari. He's clearly got the fastest car. They just need to sort it out on on the pit wall, and they'll probably be in title fight next year for sure. So for all intents and purposes, Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes are totally locked up. McLaren, they're not getting rid of Lando. They think, I think, we all think that the Danny Ricardo story is over. Alpine... Esteban has a contract through 24, probably not going anywhere. Aston Martin now locked up. They just got Alonzo and Stroll, so they're not going to go anywhere. I think Alfa Romeo, Joe is up at this year, but he's a pay driver, so probably not going to change. Haas, they've got Mick through this year. So that really leaves the Williams, maybe Alfa Tari, I think they've got both their drivers, and McLaren and one seat at Haas. So, so Sam, Norris not going anywhere. I can't really imagine Albon going outside of anywhere. I think Williams likes him. Latifi, they're not going to swap him around for anything. Maybe Gasly at Alphatari decides to go somewhere. But, like, where would a Piastri decline Alpine for of those three teams between McLaren, Williams, and Haas? Like, would he would he go to any one of those over Alpine? Yeah, Alpine well, no, I, I just think he's going to end up in McLaren. Like yeah, if he, and, and then that's that seated Alpine opens up and it, like the most logical thing would be Ricardo goes to Alpine. Um, now, if Alpine doesn't want Ricardo, which I don't, I don't know how they'd be in the position to not want him. Beggars really can't be choosers in that situation. It would be a pretty solid pickup for them. Um, but then that could get interesting if they don't want Ricardo and they can get someone else to jump, say Mick Schumacher, um, maybe Gasly, 
and then that opens up their seat. Like something, what what would really make things crazy is if Alpine doesn't want Ricardo. Well, that would make things crazy. Well, what would be interesting? So here's why I think this is super interesting. Piastri doesn't want Alpine. He clearly thinks he's got a better option because he's not even driving in Formula One. He just basically said to the he's fourth, got a, he's got an offer of McLaren. There's no he, question. About he has it. to because he has he's to. got he just got announced by the right now fourth place constructor championship team to drive for them next year as a reserve driver with no F1 experience. And he just said, no, go fuck yourself. In my opinion, there's absolutely no question in the world that he has a outstanding offer from McLaren on the table. Well, my, my point being, he, he, he wouldn't say no to Alpine for Williams. He wouldn't say yeah. no to Alpine for Haas. Right. And so because cross of elimination would have to be McLaren. Have to be McLaren, which then means Ricardo is out. So then the question I have for you, Sam, where does Ricardo go for 2023? Like I said, the most logical place would be for him to fill that Alpine seat. But Alpine might be able to snag someone else that's a little more enticing. Like I said, maybe a Mick Schumacher, and then that opens up a spot at Haas. I've said for a while now, yep. I love the idea of Daniel Ricardo in that Haas car. I think it fits just what they're trying to do. I think he'd be more comfortable there. Um, I think it'd be perfect fit. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for, but it just, like I said, I think Alpine's going to have to not want Ricardo or they're going to have to be able to grab someone else from another team, which doesn't seem super likely, but I don't know. It's we're only at the summer break. So who knows the double French, the double flying Frenchman. Maybe you snag Gasly over. He just signed that extension with Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tari, but, but, maybe- but uh, Alonso, I feel like this Alonso and Vettel news was like out of nowhere and I no agree. one saw it coming. So I don't think anything that happened before the last week and a half really matters to your Gasly's extension point. Um, I think potentially, yeah, like if, if let's say Piastri doesn't go to McLaren or, that Alpine seat does open up. I feel like that's a more enticing seat for Gasly than the Alphatari car, which has been very unremarkable this year. Very unremarkable. All right. So gun to head, where does Piastri go in your head right now? McLaren? McLaren. And then gun to head, what do you th- I, I think uh, Alpine got blindsided a little bit by the Alonso. Definitely. Definitely. So I think, I think Piastri was already having backdoor conversations with McLaren before the Alonso thing. I think Alpine was like, Alonso's locked up. We're going to get him next year. Vettel retires. Alonso leaves. Now Alpine's kind of stuck. M- Ricardo is available. Mick is available. Latifi is available. K-Mag. K-Mag, K-Mag I thought, just signed an extension. 20th. I guess, yeah, to your point, anyone, anyone who signed an extension, I think, is more remote than the people who don't have contracts in hand. But, yeah, K-Mag... But I, I, I don't know. I feel like all roads point to Ricardo knows he's out. He's probably trying to get a Haas deal. So who's I, stuck? I think Ricard, Ricardo's going to end up at Haas at Alpine. I think who ends up stuck is probably one of those two teams. It looks like Alpine. It looks like Alpine. It looks like Alpine's either going to have to try to snag a Gasly or, or a Mick or Ricardo. Or Yuri Vips, and they just kind of bring him back. Uh, that would piss everybody off. <laughs> I mean, Stefano, where do you think? I mean, uh, this is the perfect time. Summer break is when we're going to hear all the news. So this is kind of our last shot. To, Alpine doesn't have a, a driver as far as Piastri thinks. Piastri, uh, Alpine thinks they have a driver as far as they think. Danny Ricardo, like where I'd said early on, Danny Ricardo out of a Formula One seat. 
I still think that he, who is the one, who, who would you rather be right now? Alpine or Danny Ricardo? Good question. Oh, we just got stuff. I'd rather be frozen. Danny Ricardo because I know that my future is tied up until he. Oh, Stefano, we're going to have to invest in some. Uh, I think I would rather be Alpine because I think that they are, they are pretty much going to have their choice of Ricardo, Mick, or Gasly. Um, and that's a, those are pretty good choices to have. Yeah. Um, now, I think that Ricardo either ends up at Alpine or Haas. And if you end up at Haas, major downgrade. Um, and I, I mean, Alpine's pretty much like a stagnant move, but maybe a little like a half notch less. Um, so I think it's a downgrade for them, no matter what. Um, and Alpine still has a chance to, to grab a, a sem, sem, somewhat decent driver. And maybe they end up with Piastri somehow. Is there any chance Piastri replaces Latifi and Williams? Absolutely no chance. No chance. Yeah, I mean the contracts. In, say that. Yeah, I, there was there was talk that he was going to replace uh, Latifi at Williams on loan from Alpine for next season. That would make more sense than him joining at the beginning of the year. But, but, but this was assuming that Alonso was driving for Alpine. Yes. Now that he's gone to Aston Martin, he's literally thrown a spanner in the works. And here, and here's Piastri's thought process. It's probably okay because his contract with Alpine's up at the end of next year. So he's probably thinking, okay, if I can't get there, get to McLaren this year, I'll do one more year away from F1 and then wait for Danny Ricardo's contract to, to come up after next year and then join McLaren then. So if he, re- he really doesn't want to drive for Alpine, he, he can wait it out a year and, and get a spot. I don't know why he wouldn't want to drive for Alpine. I don't get though. it either. I don't understand. I don't understand that aspect of it. Assuming that, you know, everything is okay, you know, as far as the administration of the team is concerned, I don't know why you wouldn't want to drive that car, why you want to drive a McLaren over an Alpine when all season long, especially recently, the Alpines have been looking blisteringly quick. You know, they've been getting points by the bucket load compared to McLaren. So I don't know why you'd pick them. I mean, to, to take the seat, an open seat where they want you. I don't know why you wouldn't take that. He was pretty adamant. I think the quote was, I will not be driving for Alpine next year. McLaren must have told them what, or I don't. Or something must have happened behind the scenes between Alpine and Piastri. I'm telling you, he got, he got offered a, a mega deal from McLaren, had it was signed, sealed, and delivered. He was ready. They're probably ready to announce it and everything. And then Alpine did this without him even knowing. He was like, what the heck? I want yeah. to drive for McLaren now because I'm already sold on him and he was already made a decision. Not only that, but all season long, there has been talk from Alpine that they were going to just loan Piastri out for next season anyway. So, you know, he's been having to deal with all these rumors as to where he's going to end up the whole time. So as far as he's concerned, he's this, I'll just go wherever I want because they wanted me gone. They didn't want me next season anyway. Guys, it's uh, the F1 driver lineup for 2023 has all but been turned on its head in the past like two months like i like like one week yeah i mean even one week but like i just mean like the zach brown comments about danny ricardo the vettel retirement alonzo's moving like i 
Then you get the Pioche retirement. In my mind, was the first domino to drop. That's what set everything off. Absolutely big time. And I'm going back to my big board of like potential scenarios and what could happen. Like Sam, do we? Is there still a remote chance that Gasly is sitting in an orange jumpsuit alongside Lando Norris next year? Like, yeah, maybe. I mean, anything could happen at this stage. Do we see the return of Nico Hulkenberg? No. Are you sure? I would be so mad if. They, if someone brought in Nico Hulkenberg, I just think that's such like a blah move. Who is in the worst position right now, do you think? Like between Williams, McLaren, Alpine, and Haas. Who, it's who, Williams. Yeah. No, like, I mean, in terms of like they, they're they out of like anyone yeah, they Williams. get is an upgrade. Anyone they get is an upgrade. So like they, they can't go. Yeah, that's true. Like, would you rather. Like, what if Williams picks up Mick Schumacher? Now, like, what do you do if you're Haas, right? That's like, not going to happen. Holy crap. That, that's, a, that's, a career, that's career suicide. To go. <laughs> Why would he ever? Yeah, what if uh, Max Verstappen decided to go drive for Williams next year? I mean, that's kind of effectively what, what Michael Schumacher did when he went to join Ferrari. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get you all triggered there, Stefano. Um, no, I'm just saying, like... Albon hasn't been that terrible. Like that Williams car definitely has some pace in it. Maybe if you brought like a Danny Ricardo over and pay him big, like I'm just saying like anybody that the Williams team can pick up, whether it's a reserve driver or not is better than, well, I shouldn't say that you're a big St. Nick guy, Sam. And you keep thinking, you keep betting no, him that he's going to score keep points. Saint Nick another year. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how this unfolds. I'd love to see. I'd love to see a lot of dramatic, dra- like a lot of dramatics happen between Me now too. and Spa. I think that'll be awesome. Um, guys, summer break, kind of bummed. Four weeks off, maybe four weeks off needed. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I need it so bad after uh, this past race. I-, I need the break. Like emotionally, I am. I'm gutted. I'm gutted. Mata should be in prison for what he was doing for Ferrari fans. Yeah. I should be in prison for what I think I've been thinking I want to do to Bonotto. Well, in line with the drive it out together, we, we, you know, we are, these are just opinions, you know, we're, we're emotional. Yeah, yeah, no, Ferrari's strategy has been great. Ferrari's strategy has been really good all season long. They've been top of the chart. They've been, I'll put it this way. Ferrari has been the best Ferrari team to with strategy this season. Yeah. They have yep. been top of the Ferrari charts this year. Best yep. Ferrari out there. The best Ferrari out there is Ferrari. The best Ferrari in years. Best Ferrari in the past two years is this Ferrari. And it's actually not an incorrect statement. That's something he should be able to put his head to the pillow at night. He's he's created the best Ferrari team in the past two years. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, guys, anything else? I mean, four weeks off. I think uh, we'll be doing some crazy types of episodes in the next couple of weeks. Probably do like a grade the grid um, for the, the summer break. You know, maybe we'll do a couple wacky ones, like the ones we want to have a beer with, or maybe the ones you'd want to spend, you know, vacation together with. I'm sure Stefan will go in the lab and come up on the other side. Like, who would you most want to, you know, I don't know, go see a movie with? Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, guys, great first half of the season. It was supposed to be one of the best. We thought early on this was going to be a battle between Red Bull Ferrari. I'm still not sold that, you know, there's a lot of race left. Seems like you guys are doing the reverse jinx and calling it a season for the Ferrari Tifosi, but locking out. I don't think Lightning can strike twice on that one, Matt. I don't know. We got the floor changes. You guys, uh, a week ago, don't oh, let me right. Don't let's right. not, let us not forget that whatever happens in Spa could be a huge indicator for the collapse of the, the bulls and the prosper of the, the prancing horses. But The FIA would have to disallow Red Bull from using an engine the rest of the year for Ferrari to catch them. Probably, probably, but I mean, there's still nine races left. So, guys, final thoughts on on the first half of the season. Sam, start with you. Your final thoughts on on the first half. Very bittersweet first half. Like I said earlier, I thought the races were super dramatic, interesting, interesting, very exciting, um, but bitter in a sense where it feels like we're not going to get a title push at the end. But I'm still excited because the races have been awesome, and I bet on all of them, and I've been winning a lot of money. Yeah, 39 and 11, I think, is your race matchup bets, yep. which is an incredible first half of the year. So, in last thing, in one word, give us your first half of the, the season, Sam. Disappointing. All right. Stefano, we'll go to you. Final thoughts on the first half, and then in one word, describe the, the first 14 races. Yeah. Um... I'd have to kind of echo what Sam said. I'm really, I'm really pleased with the new regulations. They've really hit it out of the park with that. The racing's been great. Um, you know, a thrilling, thrilling Silverstone, one of the best races I've seen in years. Um, I will gladly rewatch that race any day of the week. Um, in one word for the for the season, and I'm thinking I'm kind of Ferrari biased here, and that's anticlimactic. Wow, a hyphenated word, nonetheless. Good call, Stefano. We'll always have Silverstone 22. Silverstone 22 was... I remember remember watching that live, thinking this was the best race in the past probably like decade. Um, Honestly, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. For for me, I think my, my final thoughts on the first 14 races is that fans were robbed. Fans were robbed of an an almost as just as intense title fight as we saw last year. I think it was shaping up to be that way. And and it was looking to be a epic battle between Chuck and, and Max. But um, in one word, I think elated is probably my, my view of uh, the first 14 races elated. Guys, cool. what are you looking forward to over the next month? Now that there's no F1, um, being able to play a round of golf without having my iPad out on the golf course, watching practices and qualifying. Yeah. Probably being able to enjoy a Saturday morning to Sunday morning without thinking about whether what's going to happen at the start of the race and whether or not Max is going to come out ahead of Chuck Leclerc. I'll, del- I'll tell you what I'm definitely not looking forward to is playing the F1 video game and getting super frustrated and feeling like I want to snap my controller over my knee. Yeah, I can echo that. Yeah. But guys, yeah, me um, too. Uh, I don't know where the cross light function is, but it's not here. Great first half of the season from the podcast perspective. And 
guys, um, love you boys and hell yeah, brother. Let's let's uh, let's fire it up over the next month. Oh, yeah. Be nice to each other. Yeah, drive it out together. Hell yeah, boys. That's an episode.